Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I am joined tonight by a special guest who is at Ball Arena tonight. Uh, he is the deputy site manager now of Denver Stiffs. That sounds pretty weird to say, doesn't it, Skip? That sounds, uh, I love that sounds it. pretty it's weird. Fantastic. That's the it's, first it's, time I've heard it out of anyone's mouth. It's perfect. Very cool. It's uh, it's Brandon Ewing, of course, from Denver Stiffs. Uh, my second in command at, at Denver Stiffs right now. So it's pretty cool. Uh, we did have a, a transition period over the All-Star break, but ever since then, things have run pretty smoothly. Uh, I've been pretty happy with, with how things have gone, and I've been pretty happy with how Brandon has handled himself. So it's been great. Uh, Brandon, you deserve a lot of credit for being able to take that on during the middle of the year. So thank you for doing that, sir. It's been a pleasure with you. Of course, man. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I've had fun with it. It's just so happened that the Nuggets have refused to lose ever since I took my new position. So it seems to be working out pretty well for everyone involved. It really has been like that. And the, the Nuggets, they are uh, 15 and three in their last 18 games. They're on a six game winning streak right now. Things have just gone really, really well. And it's been a lot of fun to watch this team. Uh, tonight they they kind of dilly dally against the the, the the clearly inferior Detroit Pistons, and they go one thirty four one nineteen in that one. Uh, Skip, I'll I'll let you take the floor, man. You were at the game tonight. What really stood out as the the primary story? Well, it was another dominant game for Nikola Jokic. Um, he didn't get to the free throw line much, but we're accustomed to seeing that. He just was very efficient shooting. He went 13 to 16 from the field. It's tough to do better than that. And then it was another uh, stepping stone game for Michael Porter Jr. He just continues to get better. He scored 25 points. He made three three-pointers. He just continues to find a way to, to grow alongside Nikola Jokic. And we were talking uh, before the podcast started. I think at the beginning of the season, Michael Porter Jr., he didn't really know where to go. They weren't really incorporating him with the offense. You could tell he was frustrated. Hell, everyone was frustrated that was watching the Nuggets. But now it's the complete opposite. They're getting him involved almost every possession down the floor. He's in his spots. He's making shots. It's exactly what the Nuggets need him to do. And he just continues to get better. And I don't even think he's he's reached his peak. He's not even close to it. So this is just the start of what's to come for Michael Porter Jr. So another very exciting game for him. And the Nuggets' offense was just dominant. I mean, they, they couldn't be stopped. The, their defense was not as good as you'd want it to be, giving up 119 to a Pistons squad that was clearly inferior. But their offense was on fire. It's tough to do better than 134 points in a game. So shouts to the offense. Defense still needs a little work, but I think they're going to pick it up when they start to play some better opponents. No, I'm with you, man. It, it, it really is good to see that in a night where Jamal Murray took off, uh, he's had a sore right knee, uh, didn't want to push it on the first leg of a back-to-back. He'll probably be back tomorrow against the, the San Antonio Spurs. But tonight, the Nuggets didn't really need him to, to go out and dominate, and they really did. At, at various points, they were up like 25-27 against this Detroit team. And, and Detroit, hang up, they hung around, like probably because mostly – Denver's defense was just, eh, it was it was pretty uh, lax, is what is what I'll say about it. And Michael Malone had some more cho- choice words in the in the post game presser, but I totally agree with you, Skip. That Michael Porter's probably the biggest story tonight. Twenty five points, eleven of sixteen, three of four from three, seven rebounds. Uh, didn't have any uh, steals or blocks or anything like that, but he was a plus eleven. 
it just seems to work and it really just seems to flow correctly with him with this group now and there are a couple of times here or there where you you start to question the shot selection a little he did make that deep three on the left wing where uh he he was past the ball i think uh it was either by Jokic or by somebody else, and he just rises from about 29, 30 feet and drains a deep jumper. I think Jokic was kind of surprised that he attempted it, but he made it, and, and Porter makes a lot of those shots look easy. So he's going to continue to do those things, and, and I'm really excited to see where that development continues to go. Oh, for sure. I mean, the crazy thing is he's making these incredibly difficult shots look like layups. Like, I don't even know how he does it. He's just rising above everyone. He made a – a really sweet three tonight. It was that three in transition where nobody was around him. And it's those shots that you kind of have to make. You're completely wide open. And he just absolutely drained it. I mean, he's in a rhythm right now. He continues to get better game by game. It's just excited to see him grow. It's very cool. Uh, this really is, uh, and, and the stats kind of bear this out over the last few games as well. This really has been a big three. It's not just Jokic. It's not just Murray. It has been Porter as well. Uh, Aaron Gordon is also I I still think that this really is a core four just because of what he does and how he ties everything together. But when you come when it comes down to it, like a lot of people in the Golden State Warriors era with, with Kevin Durant, they would consider the big three to be uh, Durant, Curry and Clay. And I think the Nuggets have that version of themselves. And, and then Aaron Gordon is their Draymond Green. Uh, it It sort of feels like. Porter is taking that consistent leap to, to where he's being productive like this every single night. Uh, I don't remember the last time he was below 50%. It feels like he's consistent. It feels like he's productive every single time. Uh, it's really cool to see. Uh, another guy who's pretty consistent every single time is Nikola Jokic. Uh, 27 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 13 of 16 from the field. Did get two free throws tonight, only made one of them. Uh, what stood out from Jokic's game tonight? I think it was just his efficiency again. He he never takes any bad shots. How many turnovers did he have tonight? Uh, he had one turnover, and I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't remember either. He had he had no glaring mistakes, and you're going to take one turnover. I mean, that's perfectly fine for him. I think the play that really stood out to me was the hot potato passing with Aaron Gordon, where there was like a give-and-go, 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 and it ended with the, the Jokic layup. And, and you touched on it with Gordon. I think – he doesn't have to stuff the, the stat sheet to make a, a great impact. I think last game, what was it? He scored 24 points tonight. Mm-hmm. Maybe he scored four points. And I think he had the same exact impact. He, he knows where to go offensively. He's doing what he has to defensively and he's just making an impact. I think he's the perfect piece to this Nuggets team. This really makes him title contender. I think it's been really awesome to see just how seamlessly he's fit in because I think we all kind of predicted Hopefully it would happen eventually before playoff time, but I don't think none of us could predict it within a week. It seems like he's been playing with this team for years. It's kind of incredible. It's great to see. Uh, he fits in between Porter and Jokic just really, really well. Uh, does a lot of the glue guy things, and he's been very willing to do that. And and you, you love to see that from somebody like him because that was clearly the question with him coming from Orlando. How would he handle that role? Would he put up a stink about not getting a certain amount of shots? And as Denver continues to win, I, I don't think he has any reason to be unhappy about his situation. He just wanted to go to a playoff team. He wanted to be in a situation where he could fit in. And in between Porter and Jokic, who just, just looked like a dominant duo tonight, uh, I think that really stands out. Uh, uh, 
I want to touch on the like Jokic. There, there's still some things that uh, he only got two free throws tonight. There, there's still some some pretty uh, some pretty weird stuff going on between him and officials of late. Uh, he had that shot at the end of the half court at, at the end of halftime, uh, uh, going into halftime where he tur- had the turnaround fadeaway, the rainbow shot over Mason Plumley. Looked like he clearly got fouled, hit on the wrist, and 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 no call ensued there. Uh, he is putting on a show right now, Skip, and and he is clearly the MVP front runner in my estimation. Is there anything that could stop him at this point? Oh no, I don't think so at all. And I think it even makes him more of an MVP front runner when he's not getting these free throws. I mean, he's putting up twenty plus points a night without getting the the line and it's the complete opposite when you look at a guy like Joel Embiid who shot 20 free throws tonight I mean it's absolutely ridiculous and on the free free throw front I love watching Jokic play as opposed to like a guy who's going to shoot like 20 plus free throws a night like I love how he just gets his buckets obviously I would like him to get a couple more free throws here and there because it would definitely have out of scoring and I think it's well deserved but it's just another another thing he's overcoming to to be that MVP and I think as long as we keep drumming the narrative it'll happen I think he just has to finish strong um, he just keeps putting together stat lines like 20 10 and 8 I think he's perfectly fine if he keeps getting double doubles a couple triple doubles here and there I don't think there's any way you can not give him the MVP and I think the one thing I keep coming back to is durability because I see guys like Embiid, they're out three weeks for a knee injury. Guys like Harden's out 10 days now because of a hamstring strain. You just don't see that with Nikola Jokic. And it's crazy because he plays just as much, just as many minutes, if not more, as all those guys as well. So I think his durability is his biggest thing. I think that needs to be kind of his calling card to win MVP because he's your, your best availability is – I'm trying to phrase it. Just the way how he <laughs> the, is. The, just, the best ab- I mean. Yeah, the best ability is availability. His you ability, got that right. 100%. Him being, him being available every night and him just producing every single game is the reason why he should be MVP in my eyes. No, I'm with you, man. It's It's been great. It's been great to watch. Uh, it was great to watch him dominate Mason Plumley. He just kind of like, – it was very funny because it, it reminded me of a, a Nuggets practice where where those guys are going up against uh, – like Plumley and Jokic are going against each other. Jeremy Grant is going up against Michael Porter, Will Barton, guys like that. Uh, speaking of Will Barton, 24 points, six rebounds, four assists – 10 of 16 from the field, three of six from three. He looked really good tonight. I, I just thought he stood out in all of the right ways tonight. What did you see from him? No, I, I really liked what Will Barton did tonight. I really like what he did with that second unit because the Nuggets have been staggering Murray with the second unit a lot as of late, but obviously with him not available tonight, Barton was that guy. They got to work with Faku Campazzo, PJ Dozier, P- Paul Millsap, and Jermichael Green, and Will Barton kind of just took over. He ran that unit. I think he – he took good shots and the shots that he put up, he made, I mean, he was really efficient tonight. I think it was when, when he's with that second unit, you can tell he really takes over. He really has that quarterback mentality. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where he thrives. And it's not that I want to take him out of the starting unit. Cause I think he works really well with those four other guys as well, but you can just really tell he, he takes over with that second unit. I think the nuggets really benefit because of it, because sometimes their second unit struggles offensively. And when you when you insert a guy like Will Barton, I think it helps out a lot. Hundred uh, percent. One of the differences between Barton and Murray on that second unit is I think 
Murray is sometimes okay with fading to the background a little bit and letting those guys have their shine. When Barton sees those guys struggling, he wants to get up into the forefront. He wants to help be the reason why that team, why why that unit starts to turn it around and why they start to trend in the right direction. So I wonder if Denver, instead of doing what they've done and staggering Murray, I wonder if they try to uh, stagger Barton a little bit more or Porter a little bit more. Uh, because if you're going to play a guy like Faku or a guy like Monte or a guy like PJ, you're, you're going to want a little bit more size. And, and there, there's definitely an argument for putting Barton with them because he, he looked really good. And if you're in that situation, you might as well put out a guy that you feel like is going to get those clean looks and, and make them every single time. Oh, absolutely. And I think Barton does a really good job when he's on that second getting to the basket, which opens up other lanes for guys for him to dish off and get easy buckets too. I think he did a pretty good job of that tonight. And then again, he just is always seems to be making the right decision. And like I said, he's going to be the quarterback. He's not going to be like Murray. That's going to kind of defer to those other guys. So I think kind of sticking Jamal more with that starting unit and having Barton kind of mix in more with the second unit could be right. Exactly what the Nuggets need. And I think tonight was a good indication of hopefully some things to come. Uh, he was a plus 19 tonight. He led the entire team in plus minus. That's a pretty big indicator. Uh, did a lot of good things. So so glad to see that from him. Uh, tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about some other things, uh, including the return of Jeremy Grant to Mason Plumley. But first, Skip, I don't know about you, but I, I am interested in the Masters this week. Uh, do, do you have a do you have a favorite golfer that you like to to follow every now and then? Oh my goodness, I am so glad we're getting Masters talk on this, but I am a huge Masters fan. It just felt like I was watching it a couple months ago because it started so late. So I'm excited. I am a big Justin Thomas fan. I, I hope Justin Thomas gets it done, but Dustin Johnson has played really well in Augusta the last uh, couple of rounds. So I think that he's got a, a shot. I hope Justin Thomas wins, but there's always one of those few guys that kind of sneaks in like Corey Connors might make an appearance this weekend. Sun JM was pretty good last year at the Masters, So I'm excited. It should be a good week at Augusta. I'll be watching all four days. It definitely should be good. Uh, I, I am looking forward to watching Bryson DeChambeau swing a golf club because that is a lot of fun to watch. He just, he, it looks like a little toothpick in his, in his hands. It's been pretty cool. And, uh, and, and one of the best ways to watch this is, is to have DraftKings America's top rated sportsbook app, put you in the center of the action. They're doing a deal. DraftKings is doing a deal where they're going to give you 100 to one odds on the golfer of your choosing. You pick a golfer. If they finish in the top 10, then you get $100 for ever, for $1 that you bet. This is a great deal. This is a great time to bet with DraftKings. Again, 100 to one odds on an offer like this. It just doesn't come around that often. So sign up with DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action. Choose your golfer before the tournament tees off on Thursday morning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated sportsbook app today and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the golfer of your choosing finishes in the top 10. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. 
And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Really appreciate everybody that's been leaving positive reviews on this podcast. It's been awesome to see. Uh, So if you you have any thoughts, if you have any any, uh, possible additions, please rate, review, and subscribe five stars on iTunes. That would be a big, big deal for me. Uh, We're back with Brandon Ewing of of Denver Stiffs, of course. Uh, Skip is currently driving home from Ball Arena, and and he wanted to hop on and and chat about the Nuggets this time, and and I thought it was a a great idea for sure. Uh, One of the people that returned – or two people that returned that were on the Nuggets roster last year, Skip, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, both of those guys have good relationships with the Nuggets players. Uh, You were in the arena. What, What stood out from the return of those guys tonight? Yeah, uh, what stood out is after the first quarter, I thought Jeremy Grant might set a record and take like 50 shot attempts tonight. So I was kind of interested <laughs> to see how many he would end up taking. I mean, he scored 16 points in the first quarter, and Detroit as a team only scored 32. I think uh, Grant finished with 29, so he kind of mellowed out the, the next three quarters. But, yeah, I, I think that he's really thriving with that team. It's kind of fun to watch. I mean, it's definitely not the most talented team around him but I mean that's exactly what he wanted he just wanted to go there be the number one guy and I think he's thriving he's getting up a lot of shots it it was also cool to see Mason Plumlee and of course he started the night off the first points of the game he kind of did his little reverse laying over the head I mean it was vintage Mason Plumlee at Ball Arena so that was kind of cool to see um yeah Uh, it's kind of the you gotta love it it's kind of the whole opposite thing uh with Jeremy Grant and Aaron Gordon because Aaron Gordon was kind of a scorer with the magic, he kind of did uh, whatever he wanted. But when he came here, he kind of just fits in to the team. And last year it was opposite because Jeremy Grant had to fit in with the Nuggets. And then now he's in Detroit and he wants to be the scorer. So they, they both kind of seem to be places where they want to be. And for the Nuggets perspective, I think that they're in a much better situation with Gordon than Grant. But but on the flip side, I think it's definitely cool to see Grant thriving in, in Detroit. And same with Plumlee. They both were – it was cool to see them tonight. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, I, I tend to think that Nuggets fans really don't miss those guys a lot, given what they've gotten from Aaron Gordon, especially lately. Uh, Mason Plumlee, he, he's a, a backup center who just wasn't going to play a lot. I think people realize the the drop-off from, from Mason Plumlee to Isaiah Hartenstein was pretty big. I, I didn't think it was going to be as big as it was, but but it definitely has been. Uh, do you miss those guys? Do you miss them in the Nuggets rotation? and Or do you think that the Nuggets are better off at this point? Um, I think the Nuggets are definitely better off. But to your point of the Plumlee-Hartenstein uh, thing, I was definitely missing Mason Plumlee for like three months of the Nuggets season. Um, <laughs> now it's not as bad because I, I like what uh, Millsap and Green are giving the Nuggets off the bench. And then the Nuggets were able to flip Hartenstein for a good veteran in JaVale McGee, who they haven't really utilized yet, but if they have to, now they have him as an option. So I'm not really missing him at all. And I, and I think Gordon is an upgrade just because I really like how he's accepted his role. I think he fits better um, than Grant did along with Jokic, Murray and Porter. So I think they're definitely better off. I still wouldn't hate to see like Torrey Craig on the team. But then again, yeah. I don't want him really. I don't really want him taking minutes from some of the guys. But I mean, I guess I'll ask you: Would you rather have Tory Craig getting minutes or PJ Dozier getting minutes? Well, it's tough right now. I, I definitely want to talk about PJ in that third segment, just because I think he's a, he's a guy who he has really struggled of late, 
And, and yeah, that's, that's definitely a point of concern for this team. I think Torrey Craig could be, could be helpful in a lot of different cases. If you're looking for a more physical wing, for sure. Uh, PJ is more of a skilled, long athletic wing, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that, how that really pans out. Uh, but with regard to, to Grant and Plumley, no, I, I think I'm with you, man. I really like Jeremy Grant. I was kind of on the the Jeremy Grant bandwagon from the beginning with with what he provided for the Nuggets, with what I I thought he would be able to provide for the Nuggets. Uh, But it involved accepting a role. It involved him being the fourth guy. It involved him being willing to kind of uh, submit to the the offense not being his way, not not going his his direction to score every time and it was going to be Jokic it was going to be Murray and and the writing was on the wall with Porter too so it wasn't like Grant was ever going to be the third option here uh, so he did right by him and and uh, Plumlee also got his contract got his guaranteed money so did right by him as well so good on those guys that's perfectly fine um, let's talk about the bench though because I think that it's still a big story uh, ever since Aaron Gordon was acquired, ever since J- JaVale McGee was acquired, the Nuggets haven't lost a game, but it feels like they lose those bench minutes really frequently. There were good minutes from Barton tonight. I thought Thaku gave good minutes. I thought Millsap gave good minutes. Uh, Dozier and Green were pretty eh. What do you think is going on with this bench unit right now? What 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 are your takeaway from, from how they're impacting the game and, and do you think that they could find some chemistry over the course of these next few games or, or at least before the playoffs begin? I think they can definitely find some chemistry. They're just so hot and cold right now. You, you don't really know what you're going to get because, I mean, some nights Faku will make a couple jumpers. Other nights he's just going to completely miss them. And, and same with P.J. Dozier, same with Green, same with Millsap. They're pretty much all the same players in terms of their offensive production. Now, defensively, I think that they're fine, and I think that they could definitely hold their own on that end of the floor. I think it's just they struggle offensively, and I'm not really sure where that stems from. I just don't think they have, like, an alpha male, which is why I thought the second unit was great tonight with Barton because they had an alpha male who was able to to dime and deal to whoever was open and then get his shot when he wanted it. So I'm not really sure who that is on the second unit. I guess it's probably Monte Morris now, and we've only seen him – one game back when he came back from injury because he was in the starting lineup tonight. But I think Monte, if there, if anyone's going to get that second unit back to where they need to be, I think Monte Morris is that person. It, it just, I'm curious to see what the lineup is because I'm pretty sure the bench lineup that struggled last game, what was it? Monte, PJ, Faku, Green, and Millsap. That's not yeah. a, that's not a, that's not a second unit. I think that can have success. I, th- I think you got to, stagger one of the starters and you're probably have to take out either Dozier or Faku. It's probably going to be Faku in the end. But again, I still like the the 10 minutes or so Faku gives you a night defensively. And I mean, he's got the offensive playmaking here and there. So, I mean, they, they definitely have to figure it out. Luckily they got about 20 games or so to do it, but I think it's definitely a, a glaring issue going into the playoffs and it's something that's got to be fixed. Yeah. It's something that really stands out with this group that as good as the starters have been, uh, the bench is kind of normal bad. They're not like really bad. They're just kind of normal, like like average to subpar, if you know what I mean. But it really does stand out that that with this starting unit being as great as it has been for the most part, that it's just very stark. It's just very different. Uh, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what the solution is. I I don't think that 
Malone knows what the situation and solution are. I, I tend to think that he's just going to try to mix and match and see how many combinations he can figure out before the playoffs. I'd like to see him play different guys a little bit more. Uh, one thing that has really stood out over these last five games, no JaVale McGee, really. He had the six minutes in the fourth quarter of this last game, but that was when Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green just really struggled. Like, like Paul Millsap didn't have it on Sunday night, and they needed another option, and JaVale McGee stood, and he kind of stepped up in the when he needed to. But it was it just kind of stands out that JaVale McGee, in the, the five games that he's been available, has only played in one of them. Uh, what do you make of that, and and do you think that'll change anytime soon? Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I feel like it's going to be one of those things, like it was um, the other night, where, where Millsap and Green were just struggling. So Malone was like, "We need a boost. Give me Javale for a couple of minutes." I, I don't really know if I see Javale ever getting, you know, the the third guy off the bench. I, I feel like. Millsap and Green definitely have that priority and it's not that I think that the Nuggets have really good bench players like there's not one guy that I'm like this guy's unplayable you you cannot give him minutes I think it's just like you mentioned Malone just needs to find a a unit that that works together and, and that plays together and I just I'm not sure he's found that yet but luckily he's got time to do it but I think giving JaVale some run and I think tonight would have been fine. I mean, I know Detroit's not a big squad. They had a bunch of small dudes out there. But in a game where the Nuggets were up by 30, you see what JaVale can give you. Throw them in with some of those bench guys. Because, I mean, I think Will Barton was in the game until there was like four four or five minutes left. So, I mean, there were still meaningful guys in there that, that played into the fourth quarter. So, I think just in these type of games where the Nuggets are up by 20-plus, I think it's a good time to just experiment and see what you get. Because they were – the Nuggets are definitely going to have to rely on their bench come playoff time, and I know it might just be another three or four dudes because they'll probably uh, cut it down to a nine or eight man rotation. But still, they're going to have to count on some guys here and there. So figuring out these next twenty games has definitely got to be at the top of the list uh, of things Coach Malone's going to figure out. Yeah, there are definitely some things that I've circled over the course of these last few. Uh, Jamichael Green's slow feet against wings—that's definitely a problem. And when he's playing next to Paul Millsap. Uh, I've liked Millsap defending in those situations instead. I like him kind of switching onto those wings. I think he's been more consistent with that, uh, especially when he's not asked to do it for, for the entire game. And he's, he's just more asked to do it. Hey, you're going to switch onto these guys, but you're going to start by guarding the five. That has been pretty good, uh, but they just don't have a lot of offensive oomph with that group. And and you, you hate to see uh, when they have guys like, Murray and Porter and Jokic and just just and Barton even to to an extent that guys that can really drive offense that I, I want to see them find a way to incorporate those guys uh, into that bench unit to try to make things happen. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, hey, let's you know let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to kind of get into just some points of concern, some points of pride from this six-game winning streak, and then we're going to talk about this damn list from ESPN. We'll be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by Brandon Ewing of Denver Stiffs. 
thank you so much for tuning in to us on, on this uh, this Tuesday. This is going to be a Wednesday when this pod comes out, so that's uh, that's great. Um, I, this is usually a stat day for me, uh, depending on on various factors. Uh, but I, I have Brandon on. I want to keep the stats to a minimum so we can keep the conversation flowing here. Uh, the two biggest points of concern that I have with Denver's rotation right now are the backup guards with PJ Dozier and Faku Campazzo and the backup front court with Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap. As we talked about in this last segment, I think they can work, but here are some numbers on PJ Dozier and Faku Campazzo uh, in their last six games, 2.5 points for PJ on 5.2 shots per game. That is 19.4% from the field, 7.7% from three. Uh, so those are those numbers. Faku is at three points per game on 3.2 shots per game, 31% from the field, 38% from three. So he has improved a little bit from the three-point perspective. Uh, if you had to pick one, which of those concerns you more, uh, the struggles from P.J. Dozier or the struggles from Faku Campazzo? You know, I'm going to say P.J. Dozier just because I think I think Faku understands when he's struggling and he kind of starts to do other things. P.J. Dozier, he he's kind of a guy who tries to shoot himself out of a slump, and I don't think the Nuggets really need him to be a shooter off the bench. And, I mean, you, you see him when he when he plays late in the games, when he's kind of in that garbage time, how he kind of just takes over and starts jacking up shots. I mean, it's not the best habits to create by any means. I think he kind of just concerns me a little more. Again, he's a younger player. I know this is Faku's first year, but he's been around the block for a very long time. So I think he kind of just understands his limitations and when he's struggling. Um, and, and I think, I'm not sure if Dozier really understands that, but um, yeah, he, he's kind of made me worried these last few games. And I think Faku's been better. I mean, Faku was better tonight. Dozier kind of struggled a little bit again. So I'm a little concerned with him more than I am with Faku. Yeah, I I think that, I think that with Monte back, and, and with him playing with that bench a little bit, Denver tried two different combinations tonight. They tried the Faku Monte PJ combination and they tried the actually, Oh, wait, was it Faku Monte PJ? Let me just check my, my rotation. Uh, no, it was actually a uh, Faku Monte Barton in the second quarter. Uh, and then they, they kind of subbed out PJ. He, he had played the last six minutes of the first quarter, then sat out the beginning of the second. And then in the next quarter, uh, the fourth quarter, they played uh, Fox, or no, they played Monte, Barton, and PJ. So they took Faku out of there. I think you might be in that situation pretty consistently with the second unit, where only one of those guys is playing, where it's either going to be PJ or it's going to be Faku. If they play Faku, they're going to play smaller. If they play PJ, it's probably because they they want more size, they want more defense in the game. Uh, and I know people are going to say, Hey, Faku defense, like, but it's a, it's a spiral effect because of the other positions. Like I think that Barton defends better at the two than he does at the three Monte defends better at the one than he does the two, etc. cetera. Uh, so I tend to think that it's going to just be a, a give and take situation here or there. Uh, I don't know if either of those guys are going to play a ton from here on out, because if you're, if you're going to go with the starters and you're going to go with Monte as the sixth man, and then you've got to find out, okay, you've got Michael Green and Paul Millsap in the front court. Those guys are going to play. Uh, I don't know what the what the bench backcourt's going to look like other than that. So I'm not, I'm not sure who I'm concerned with more. 
I'd say probably PJ for the reasons that you said. Uh, this is the first time that, that he really has to deal with from from a position where he's been in the rotation. This is the first time where he's had to deal with a major shooting slump. 7% from three in the last six games is not going to cut it. Uh, he knows that, of course, but I wonder how he can work out of it. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. But but again, I do like what both of them give the Nuggets defensively. And you, you, don't, you don't really need them to give you much offensively. You just need them to, when they get those one or two shots, to make it. And then they don't need, really need to be putting up five-plus shots a game. And, and like you said, I think if the team's going small, Composo's definitely your best option defensively. If they're going a little bigger, then it's got to be Dozier. So it's just a little case-by-case basis, depending on who the Nuggets are playing. The green Millsap front court, as, as I mentioned, that's that's still something that needs to needs to be figured out. I think it can be figured out, but it needs the right personnel. They tried Michael Porter at the beginning of – or kind of the middle of the second quarter where they took out – I think they took out uh, P.J. And, and they put P.J. back in. And then they ran a lineup that had Faku, P.J., MPJ, Jamichael, and Paul Millsap. And it's kind of interesting because other than Faku, you've got guys that are pretty big and physical and for, for the entire – for every position. It's pretty interesting to see how they how they perform there. Um, I kind of like Porter in that second unit a little bit, running some offense, uh, getting plays called for and being the first option, uh, getting a lot of shots up, uh, but also being a threat and, and having – like kind of, kind of like Jamal. Like you don't always have to take the shot to be the threat, and and defenses will rotate onto him in order to prevent some of those shots. Uh, there are definitely ways that they could workshop that, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, point. Uh, actually, no. I'll just ask you this. Uh, Michael Malone was really disappointed with the defense tonight. Is the defense a concern in your eyes? Um, I don't really think it's a concern because I think when they've had to lock down, they have. And I think tonight they kind of saw that they could just breeze by Detroit. And, I mean, Detroit was fine. They pretty much only had two two guys kill the Nuggets, which was Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bey. I mean, Sadiq Bey could not miss a shot. I mean, he was exceptional tonight. So I, I'm not really concerned about the defense in these games where, where the Nuggets are playing lesser opponents because I think that they kind of just realize that they can outscore their team, whether it's a good strategy or, or not. I think that they, quote-unquote, are kind of taking breaks on that end of the floor. Because they right. can. I mean, they, they still won by 15-plus points tonight against a team that was clearly inferior, and they they didn't even defend them the whole night, and they still destroyed them, and the game was never close. So I think – and, I mean, we saw it last week when the Nuggets played the Clippers. They were fantastic defensively. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. was great. Eric Gordon was great. I think when these guys need a lockdown, they will, and especially come playoff time. If, if they exert their energy – in a, a Tuesday night game in April against Detroit so that they can handle game six against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Perfect. I'll take that. So I, I think they're going to be perfectly fine when they need to be. Like, frankly, I'm not really surprised that they struggled defending tonight. They definitely underestimated Detroit as a whole. And it's hard to get up for Detroit. Like, just despite the fact that there is the Jeremy Grant, the Mason Plumley connection, like, it's, it's hard to – really hyper-focused in those situations, uh, unlike a game like the Clippers, where you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and the team that you faced uh, in the in the playoff la- playoffs last year and, and you beat 3-1. So that's, uh, that is pretty impressive. Uh, the fact that they were able to score as well as they were tonight, uh, 
that is the most impressive thing. It's that's much more of a point of pride uh, than the defense is a point of concern, in my opinion. Oh, um, well, it was well. It was just uh, they were just on fire. I mean, from the the opening tip, they just could not be stopped offensively. Detroit had absolutely no answer for them, and it just came down to the Nuggets ended up getting a few more stops than Detroit did. And I, I, the game was never out of hand at all. And it, it was fun to watch the Nuggets offense work. And I mean, they made a couple defensive plays when they needed to, and they helped get them a double digit victory. hundred uh, percent more points of pride kind of in this last segment here. Uh, the scoring efficiency of the starters has just been insane. Uh, there are numbers that I could delve into, but I just want to share the, uh, the starting, the starting five and, and what they've done. Uh, some of these guys have done it in five games. Like Gordon has only been around for five games. Murray didn't play tonight, but here are the, here's the points per game numbers for the starting five. Jokic, 23, Murray, 22, Porter, 22, Gordon, 13.2, Barton, 13.2. It really has been kind of some kind of interesting symmetry, I would say, uh, where you've got your three guys at the top. Jokic is just a little bit higher in terms of the pecking order. And then Gordon and Barton are, are – scoring the exact same amount as well, just in, in different ways. So it has been a five man unit and, and I like to see how they've, how they've handled that pretty consistently over the course of these past six uh, been pretty cool. Uh, do you have any large scale takeaways about this starting five or is it just, they kick ass? No, oh, I mean, I was just going to say, I know it's pretty early, but I think they're the best starting five in the NBA. I really do. Like if I was going to go in tomorrow with a starting five, I would pick these guys. And I know that there's, I could maybe pick a couple starting fives that might be maybe a little more talented, but not really close, but I just love how much these guys play together. Their chemistry is unmatched compared to any starting five. In my opinion, it's been, it's been crazy to see how uh, seamlessly Gordon has fit in because it's been fantastic. Michael Porter Jr. continues to get better. Jamal Murray has continued to get better and Jokic just playing like an MVP. And then you add someone like Will Barton to the mix who can also get a bucket whenever you need, who can give you that effort defensively, and then he can make a play with the ball in his hands. I don't really think that there's another starting five I would pick, and that's why I, I think the Nuggets are really title contenders, and I'm not really scared of any other teams in the NBA because I think the starting unit is just as good as anybody. Yeah, I think scared, it, it may, be, may be a different word for me. Uh, like I, I'm definitely wary of the Los Angeles Lakers at full strength, definitely wary of the, of the Brooklyn Nets at full strength. But other than that, I could see the Nuggets going toe-to-toe against every team in the NBA and being favored. I could see them going up against even the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers and putting up a massive fight to the point where they could definitely win those series, despite they'd probably not be favored. Uh, There's a lot to like about it. There's a lot to like about that starting unit. And all those guys would play upwards of 36 minutes and then you've just got to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with the other 60 total uh, 12 per position? Uh, Monte Morris is a great answer. Uh, He played 23 minutes tonight. Uh, He's still working his way back. I think this was only a second game back, but 23 minutes, 10 points, four assists, one turnover was a only a plus two, which I think is interesting. Uh, but he was five of eight from the field, did a lot of good things out there. I like what I saw from, from Monte. I think that's a positive thing. Monte Morris is back, and, and he he's never been out for an extended period of time due to injury. So it's good to see him excel. Yeah, I, th- I think Monte is definitely – I think he's a really big X factor for this team because if he can handle those bench minutes in the playoffs, like I said, I think the starting unit is incredible. 
So I think that they're going to win no matter who they face. I think they're going to win the starting minutes. So I think if Monte can just handle, be the quarterback of that second unit, I think the Nuggets are going to be perfectly fine. And I, I think I was thinking about this today last year when the Nuggets were in the playoffs. I, I Every game I went into, I thought that they should win, but I didn't know if they really had it this year. I, I'm not, I don't have any doubt at all. I think any single game they go into against any opponent, I, I favor them to win no matter who it is against LeBron AD. I mean, I'm feeling really good about this Nuggets team, and it's different because a couple months ago, I was not feeling great about them. I was, I was a little down on them. I didn't think they had what it took, but then they go out and get they get an Aaron Gordon, and they start to, to gel. Michael Porter Jr. figures it out. Jamal Murray figures it out. Jokic continues to play like an MVP front runner, and they're they just hitting their stride at the perfect time, and I think it's really going to help them excel, and I, I think they're they're due for a title run, man. This could be the year. It it could be the year that would be, that would be incredible. And and I almost want to end on that, but I do want to, I do want to make you mad here. I'm going to, we're going to pivot here completely uh, away from this game, away from this team and just talk about rankings because I know that that's always fun and that should drop some criticism. Uh, ESPN released their uh, top 25 players under 25 and it, raised a lot of eyebrows nationally uh, just because there were some pretty crazy selections at different places. Uh, there are some that I can justify. There are some that I really can't. Uh, I put out my personal list that I think is, is a lot better because it is because I'm, I'm objectively correct. Um, but yeah, here, I'm just going to read off this list to you and, and, and we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to have you stop me when you think, okay, that person should not be ranked ahead of Jamal Murray. Number one, yeah. Luka Doncic. Number two, Zion Williamson. I'll allow it. Number three, LaMelo Ball. See, and here is where I am with the LaMelo one. I am the biggest LaMelo fan there is, and I love LaMelo. I think he's fantastic. I'm just not sure if he's better than Jamal Murray right now. Like, if I was starting a oh. team tomorrow, I think that I would probably pick Jamal, and I, I love LaMelo Ball. Biggest Lamelo Ball fan there is, but I think Jamal's proven a lot more. And and let me uh, let me let me caveat this. Of course, these rankings are based on future potential, so there is some reason to believe that that Lamelo Ball could be a better player than Jamal Murray down the yeah. line. It, and, and and if they're if they're going to take that, if if they think it's likely, then I'm okay with them having Lamelo Ball up there. I'm I'm okay with it. He has really proven just as a rookie that he is incredible. Just, just a lot of fun to watch. And, and I don't think any Nuggets fan is really going to, they're not going to make a stink about that one. Uh, just because no, he, like, he has well, been. Lamella, he's five years younger than Jamal. And he's yeah. phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's crazy with what he's doing with how young he is. I mean, I can't even remember what I was doing in 19, but I sure as hell wasn't doing what he's doing. <laughs> True. Uh, number four, Donovan Mitchell. See, I'll stop you there, but I am, I'm, I don't really hate Mitchell like some people do. Like, I think Mitchell's a pretty good player. I, I don't like how he takes so many damn shots to get so many points. So, like, see, Mitchell and Murray, I kind of compare to be, like, the same person because of what they did in the playoffs last year. I mean, it, it was really cool to watch them go toe-to-toe, and obviously Jamal got the leg up because his team advanced 
but I think him and Murray kind of go hand in hand when you ask me. Obviously, I would rather have Murray because I think he's a bit of a better playmaker and he works a little harder defensively. But again, I think Mitchell's a fine player, and I think I'm fine with that. As long as Jamal was pretty close. As long as it's like a 4A, 4B, I'm fine with it. Well, I'm going to burst your bubble here. It was not a 4A, 4B situation because number five was Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum's fine to, to be over the top of, of Murray. I think I think – Frankly, I think Jason Tatum should probably be third on this list. Uh, yeah. Number six, De'Aaron De Fox. See, I I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't. De'Aaron <laughs> Fox is a fine. De'Aaron Fox is a fine player, and it's nothing against him. Kentucky guy, so, so Jamal probably likes him too. But I don't think I've never seen De'Aaron Fox score two fifty-point games in a playoff series. That I mean, is true. If memory serves me correctly. I've never seen. I, if memory serves me correctly, I've. I don't even know if I've been alive when the Kings have actually. I don't even know how you put a king over <laughs> a Nugget player after what I saw Jamal Murray do in the playoffs last year. And this no disrespect to Aaron Fox, fine player, not as good as Jamal Murray. You cut out there, but I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow the the audience to imagine what you said because I'm pretty sure that they are they are very like he, Kings definitely did not make the playoffs. Like let's be let's be real. Uh, Number seven, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is fine. He's really good at defense. He's fine at offense. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, like he he's a he's clearly a talented player, clearly a good player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great player. He just had seven points on six shots in his last game. Like, what are we talking about here? Jamal's never going to do that. He's never going to let it let his team down like that. Uh, especially in in a game where it was it was close and and yeah, things could have gone either could, way. You, you could put it this way: Would you rather have the duo of Embiid and Simmons or the duo of Jokic and Murray? Which I would clearly pick the duo of Jokic and Murray, which I think would help say that maybe Murray is a better option than Simmons. I think it's at least arguable. I I, I think that Embiid has been the second best player in the NBA this year, and I think that Jokic has been the best. Uh, I think that Murray has been probably around the 25th best player in the NBA this year. And I think that Simmons is around there too. So it is what it is. Like if they're, if they're measuring potential, like Simmons has been in the league just as long as Murray has. So it's not like he has that much further to go. Um, number eight is Devin Booker. Um, I haven't seen Devin Booker do it in the playoffs yet. So I'd, I'd probably pick Murray and they're, they're around the same age, aren't they? Yeah, they're pretty close. Uh, Booker, I think, is one year older, if I'm not mistaken, uh, taken the year before. I'll just rapid fire through these last two. Uh, Bam Adebayo at nine, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 10. Uh, both of those guys are very talented. Bam showed it in the playoffs and in the finals this last year. I like it's it's really is a eye of the beholder thing though because he is not going to create the shot in the last few seconds of the game. Like he he is a guy who's going to run the dribble handoff with guys and allow them to create. It's why Tyler Heroes was a big story in the bubble. It's why Jimmy Butler was a big story in the bubble. Uh, Bam is is the fulcrum there, but he's not the reason why those guys are good. Yeah, Murray's definitely better than both of those. I don't think it's close. And I, I mean, he's Bam at least maybe has an argument. I don't think Shea Gilgis Alexander has an argument at all to be ahead of Murray. I don't even understand how one could could put him over Murray. It makes zero sense to me. It's like nobody watched the Nuggets in the playoffs last year, and specifically Murray just carried them to a series victory. Yeah, Shea kind of froze up in that in that uh, playoff series against Houston. Like he he was a big reason why they didn't advance. 
So there is something to be said for that for sure. Uh, Jamal Murray came in at 13. Michael Porter came in at 14. I think that both of those guys, especially like if recent history is any indication, those guys are going to be really, really good with the Nuggets for a really long time. And, and lists are, and rankings are subjective and they're, they're subject to a lot of different factors, but I know who I'm taking for this Nuggets team. It's Murray and it's Porter and they've been great and they are perfect. They're a perfect assembly for Jokic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We can just make our own list here on pickaxe and roll. We put them both in the top five. This is the only <laughs> list that matters. This is the only list that matters. Yeah. One Murray, two Porter, three Zeke Naji, four Monte Morris, because we're aging him down a little bit. And then five are going bowl bowl. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll go six. We'll go six. RJ Hampton, friend of the show. Why not? Friend of, friend of the show, <laughs> RJ Hampton. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, Skip, you've been great, man. I, I've kept you long here. Uh, anything you want to plug before before we get out of here? No, man. Just, just everyone keep reading what we got going at Denver Stiffs. I think we've been doing a really good job uh, over this last month or so of pushing out content and getting you guys as much stuff as you can to read, to listen to. The, this new pod has been awesome. I appreciate you having me on. So everybody, rate, review, subscribe. The, the pickaxe and roll, give you five stars. Leave a rating. Let us know how we did. Uh, let, let me know if I did pretty good on here, if you'd like to have me back, because I'd love – any sort of feedback, you know, mostly positive feedback. If you could give me that one and make me feel a little better by myself. But again, anything works. Rate, review, subscribe, pick, X, and roll. Best pot around, baby. Love it, man. Hey, you, you did great. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be in the building for the San Antonio game, and uh, we're, we're going to be doing a late pod on that one as well. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys very soon.